Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Stocks for beginners. Those same guys who tell you you can't time the market then say, but then I think the market will be higher. You know, the, the Dow will be an X number or the S&P will be an X number by the end of the second quarter. And well, wait a minute, that sounded an awful lot like a prediction. Hi, and welcome back to Stocks for Beginners. I'm Phil Muscatello. Today, I'm joined by Todd Schaffer from VectorVest. Hi, Todd. Good evening. Well, hello there. Todd Schaffer is the manager of research for VectorVest Incorporated. He's taught thousands of investors how to be more effective with the VectorVest system in both the US and abroad for over 12 years. Just as a definition for beginners, I always like to have a few definitions. What is market capitalization? Well, it's the number of outstanding shares times the share price. So roughly a valuation of the company based on the number of the value of the floated shares. And it's what um, the market is valuing the company at at a particular time. Correct. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about your history. What uh, got you interested in markets in the first place? Well, actually, strangely enough, it was a class I took in high school about, it was just a general business class. And as part of that class, we had to cover public companies. And so there was a chapter or a segment on stocks and stock investing. And part of that exercise was do some paper trading of some stocks that you found in the financial pages of the newspaper and track them on a paper basis over time to see how good a stock picker you were. And I just... I just got hooked. What was one of the first stocks? Let me guess. Was it Disney? Everyone seems to say You know, with Disney. I don't, I have no idea. No. That was some time ago. I don't remember the, the first trade at all. Although I will tell you that my first real trades, right? When you, when you start putting real money on the line, mm-hmm. I went, I started, I tried to do that same routine, right? But now I'm playing with real money and I'm looking at those financial pages and I'm completely stymied by the blizzard of information, right? The yep. 4,000 stocks that are listed in the financial pages in number four font. And of course, this was like paper, paper, but you mm-hmm. got your hands black with ink and there's 30 different parameters and you're looking through those and you're you're trying to make a decision of which one of these guys should I buy. And if you start with A, that can be a really long process before you can figure it out. Of course, I'm now on a fundamentals kind of basis looking at these companies and then I want to get a hold of their investor relations board and then start looking at their financials. And that process just was so cumbersome, the pre-computer, mm-hmm. that I've, I instead moved over to the mutual fund industry and the old Peter Lynch, yep. the guru. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I went to the mutual fund industry as my primary uh, investing vehicle through those early years. But you kind of got scared off by all of the research that you would have had to do to invest wisely in stocks? Yeah, I just didn't have feel that I had the tools. And the mm. process was so drawn out that mm. if you had if you had a hunch or you you saw a good financial report on a, on a company it piqued your interest but you wanted to do more than just buy the headline to get the financials and to get the financial information you needed to justify the purchase was such a slow process that by the time you got there talk about missing the move mm. it's now 3 weeks later so that process in my mind was just too 
weighted to the professionals that I didn't have the tools to compete with them. And so I instead said, well, let's just let's just jump in the boat with the professionals and use the mutual fund industry to do those investments. That's a very sensible approach for a young guy. I mean, a lot of young people would just go in boots and all and start uh, losing money straight away. But um, you realized your own limitations. Well, and that's things haven't changed that much. Right? We, we do yeah. have more information available to us, but there are still a lot of folks who are... I don't want to call them unsophisticated, but new to the game, right? And uh, not confident in what they're doing. And so they'll use either mutual funds or if they're trying to escape those fees, they'll they'll go to index funds. Mm. And really trying to really do the same thing that I was doing with the mutual fund industry back then. We just didn't have ETFs. Yeah, ETFs have been a game changer, really, haven't they? They're allowing people just to get uh, diversification straight away at very low costs. They have been, although mm. they come with their own set of challenges that you know we don't often talk about. But uh, oh, what are what are but, those challenges that we don't often talk about? Well, particularly price insensitive buying. Right the the maxim of the industry is that the market always goes up. Mm-hmm. And my response to that is, well, yeah, it has gone up over time, but how much time? Because if you look at the the market, it doesn't just always go up ten percent a year, mm. right? It doesn't it doesn't just progress evenly. It goes through periods of ten, fifteen, twenty years of sideways, volatile stagnation. Mm-hmm. So depending on when you started counting or when you need that portfolio to grow, if you're in the wrong 20-year period, it can be a problem for you, right? And so we've experienced a couple sharp pullbacks in the broad market, mm. which then it translated into to strong pullbacks in those broad market ETFs. And so you're depending on how the market recovers, either, yep. okay, it recovered, but it took five years. In this case, you know, the, the COVID correction was more V-shaped. Mm. Typically, you have a, a 40% correction in the market. It takes time. If you're trying to make that 10% a year, you need a 66% recovery to get back to break even. So if you if you were in the market at the peak, mm. you pull back 40%, and then the market does its average 10% progression, it's not, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to say, well, wait a minute, I really need to truncate that 40% drawdown because if that 40% drawdown happens at the wrong time, I could be in Dutch here. Yeah. Well, it just goes to show the importance of uh, planning your uh, time horizon, I guess, as well. It does, and managing risk. Yep, and managing risk. What, what are some of the best ways of managing risk? Well, there's a couple different ways. And, you know, there's, there's the asset base, mm-hmm. right, the broader aspect of all of your wealth. And then there's strategies or techniques you can use on your investment vehicles themselves. But at the broadest level, we want to control, we want to define the risk as how much are we willing to lose and make sure that we don't lose more than that. So if my portfolio is going to pull back mm. and I don't want it to be a 40% pullback, and I say through observation, and these I'm just pulling these numbers out of thin yeah, air. Yeah, thin air, yeah. The average correction is 10%. Okay, well, I don't want my, I don't want my portfolio to pull back more than 10%. So when my portfolio gets to 10%, I'm going to move to cash or I'm going to hedge it. I'm going to protect it from any further decline. I'm managing risk on the broad scale on, the, on my equity portfolio so that I can recover when the market and when the economy recover. That, I was going to say that implies something that VectorVest really believes in is a systematic mm, yep. approach to your investing. And part of that system tells you when it's okay to be buying stocks, when it's okay to be investing and when you shouldn't be investing. And that's an important decision 
that the market, the the gurus or the the industry will tell you, well, you can't time the market. Just buy all the time. Yep. Uh, well, and we, we everyone has an interest it. in everyone has an interest in you buying all the time anyway, which is what they're trying to do. They do. So you're dealing with individual investors that come to you that are um, having problems managing their portfolios. What are some of the the main problems that you find individual investors have? Well, yeah, I'd say there's probably two categories: those who are brand new to investing and are trying to get educated so they avoid some of the mistakes. And then there are those who are just struggling. They're not new to investing, but they really haven't been very successful over time. The mistakes that those folks are typically making, in, and it's true for new investors too, but typically, first of all, they don't really think about making good investments or making good trades. They're thinking about the money they need to make to fund their retirement or to buy the new boat or to get the in-ground swimming pool or whatever. And they, they're latching on to the goal instead of the methodology. In other words, I'm worried about losing or not attaining my financial security or not getting my boat. I'm not worried about making good trades. And what that does is it sets you up to make emotional decisions. And that's where you respond most to greed and fear impulses. And that's typically where you make the biggest mistakes. So again, the solution to that is to have a systematic approach, a rules-based approach that says, well, no, when this happens, I'm going to take this action. When event B happens, I'm going to take this action, right? So we plan it out beforehand so that when that transpires, I'm making an intellectual decision, not an emotional one. Because we all know, I use road rage as the example all the time. If you've been in a road rage incident, have you ever been proud of how you behaved in the heat of the moment when you gave yourself over to your emotions or was it a train wreck, right? For most of us, it's a train wreck. Mm, mm. So let's keep this as best we can an intellectual exercise and with a, a systematic approach, start putting the probabilities on our side of being successful. It's a very difficult thing for investors though. I mean, I know from personal experience how much the emotions do seem to take you over. That's right. So this isn't, yeah. it can't just be a, well, I think I'll try this today, right? It's, it's, mm. a, it's an empirical intellectual exercise that takes a little bit of study, right? And of course, we're what we do is help people do that study to understand how markets work, how price action works on stocks, what mm -hmm. methodologies you can apply toward your trading to put those probabilities back in your favor. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Okay, well let's move on to value, safety, and timing. They're the three pillars, really, of the VectorVest method, aren't they? Can we um, start with value? Sure. So value is one of the three aspects we look for when we're deciding what stocks to buy, right? So we want to find, and it depends on your, your temperament and your objectives, of course, but broadly, we want to find stocks that are financially performing well, and we want to pay a fair price for them, right? So this idea of valuation is one that we work with every day, 
So we calculate an intrinsic value for every stock in our database every day. So that lets the investor know what is this stock worth. We also look at that valuation, though, relative to a AAA corporate bond investment. So you know whether or not the stock should outperform that bond. And that's kind of our benchmark, if you will. So we want to favor, particularly if we're investing, you want to favor undervalued stocks and stocks whose future valuation is predicted to rise. Nothing's guaranteed, of course, but we look particularly, particularly to earnings growth rate and historical earnings growth as precursors for future financial performance. Beyond the, the question of valuation, then you say, well, okay, I, got, I have a stock that has great double-digit earnings growth here. So it fits nicely into the growth stock category, but how much risk am I taking on in that stock? Because, for instance, there are a lot of uh, biomeds right now, right? There are marijuana stocks. There are a lot of growth stocks that don't have financial track records, right? And they don't have a history of consistent financial performance. Those kinds of stocks typically go up fast, but they also have more volatility in them. So you have to answer that question, right? It's, it's the other side of the coin of, okay, for that upside potential, how much risk am I willing to take on? So we hmm. analyze the consistency and predictability of the company's financial performance over time to give the investor an idea or measurement of how consistent that financial performance is. So if I'm a, if I'm a trader, I'm just I'm swing trading. Mm-hmm. Fundamentals aren't as critical to me. And so I might pay more attention to that growth number. But if I'm an investor, then certainly that consistent performance is important to me, particularly if I'm looking for any kind of income from the investment. So I'm going to favor stocks that have those good safety scores. And a more prudent person would look for a balance of both. So Todd, with the earnings growth, that's just basically the amount of earnings, the amount of money that the company is making. Is that correct? Can we just dig deep into what that figure is? We need to think about earnings from both a historical and a future basis. Mm -hmm. So companies can have, and we want companies to have, consistent earnings performance over time historically. You have a track record of performance of not missing and not wildly gyrating earnings performance. We're, We're giving the the premium or, you know, we're valuing the consistent performance, Mm -hmm. but we also need to think about the future, right? Because you can look at, I'm trying to think of, of companies that were industry leaders, Kodak, Bosch and Mm Lomb, right? Yep. You can be a leader in the field, but your future prospects not looking that good. So we have to look at and consider the future prospects for the company's earnings performance in conjunction with that historical performance. So if I have a company who's been consistently performing on an earnings basis and their forecast mm. to continue that, that's the that's the magic combination, right? That's the sweet spot of what I'm looking for. Yep. So then with safety, you were referring before to some of those biotech stocks and cannabis stocks and that are that are moving pretty wildly. This is where your measure of safety would come in? That's right. So our safety mm. analysis looks not only at the financial performance of the company, but also the price action, how volatile is that price action. So there are quite a few measurements that go into the algorithm to form the analysis, but ultimately we're pursuing this notion that companies that consistently perform financially are driving their future value. That transaction or that, that arrangement 
is what drives consistently steady price action. All things being equal, 30,000 foot view. Yes, we recognize that stocks are, are bandied about by the market action. But in the long haul, if you're looking for sustainable or sustained uptrends in the price action, look for companies that have sustained uptrends in their earnings action. They correlate. Can you give us a definition of price action, please? My simple one would be price trend over time, right? So trends mm-hmm. are defined by the, the duration, their duration. So you have short-term trends, intermediate trends, long-term trends. Right? So our, our starting point is we look for one-year performance just to see that it's been consistently going. If I graphed it, it would go bottom left, upper right. And I like to say the smoother, the better, right? Mm-hmm. The more consistently it goes up the page, the more I like it, the more robust it is and the better my probabilities of sustained price action. And this is on a chart. I mean, people have seen the charts yes. that show where the price of a stock has been in the past. Um, is there a particular kind of chart that you refer to? Well, in the in the VectorVest system, mm. some of these, in, for instance, our earnings analysis is proprietary. But you can right. still go to public sourced information, and you can look at a price chart over a year. You can look over at least the historical earnings performance over the past year, and you could look for earnings forecasts provided by those same sources for at least you know the next year, next four mm-hmm. quarters. And you can start putting together a pretty good list of candidates, and then it's simply a matter of looking at their charts for that consistent price action. I really like teaching folks how to uh, analyze stocks by looking at their charts. The numbers tell mm-hmm. you things, sure. But we're visual beings. We're very good at, at recognizing patterns and smoothing lines. And after you've looked at a couple charts, right, then you can start recognizing that pattern. And I'm not looking at candlestick analysis or technical indicators, just as the price steadily plotting from bottom left to upper right without a lot of big swings. Right? Mm. It's, the, it's the big swings that give you the heartburn that throw you back into the emotional zone and you're panicking because a stock that was up 20% last month is down 30% this month. And you've just seen a 50% swing in that position and you're scared to death. Even though if you looked at that one year chart, you'd say, well, it's done this four or five times already, (laughs) right? It's not doing anything abnormal for the stock. Hmm. It just, I didn't recognize that that's the kind of stock I was, I was buying. A, um, a friend of mine has always said that the only trend that he pays attention to is the one that he can see from across the room when he's sitting way back from the computer and he looks at the chart and that trend is the one that stands out to him. Yeah, thanks for that because I really should complete that idea, right? So we start yeah. with that one-year chart, but mm-hmm. we want to look at multiple time frames because, they're, as I said, they're short, intermediate, and long-term trends. So typically, we'll start at the one year. If I like what I see there, I'll back out to the five year or even the 10 year if you really want to. But five year is pretty good. It stays within this economy, right? So then I'll also look at the time at the shorter time frame, right? So if I if I like the one in the five year patterns, then let's go into the shorter time frame. Let's go into six months and see. Let's look at the hard right edge. Is the price still hitting higher highs and higher lows? Is it still trending higher? If you have a, a stock that's been consistently doing that, and is still doing that, then that the odds are coming into your favor. You have a stock now, a company that has historic or a history of financial performance. The market recognizes that performance and it's continuing to demand it or want it by virtue of the higher price action. All things being equal, you're putting the probabilities now in your side. All you need to do is the risk management side of make sure 
that if the stock goes against you, you know what you're going to do before you even buy it, right? So you don't want to leave it up to a seat of the pants decision. You've made up a rule that says, hey, if this stock pulls back into this level, I'm closing the position or I'm closing half the position or whatever it is you want to do. But you want to have that pre-planned and you have to manage that risk. Otherwise, what happens to you is that stock that was down 30% keeps going to 40, keeps going to 50. And now you're telling yourself, oh man, I've lost so much I can't afford to sell. If I actualize this loss, it'd be such a big loss in my portfolio I would need seven or eight winning trades to pay for the loss. Mm. So now what do I do? Well, now, I, now I'm in it for the long haul. I'm going to hold this thing and it's either going to go bust or it'll eventually come back seven years from now. Maybe I'll leave it to my kids. <laughs> and all of that would have been truncated had you at the outset said, you know what? If, if I'm wrong, this is how I'm mm. going to know it. And if that happens, I'm out of this trade. The good traders Good pros have 50% winning trade percentages, mm-hmm. which means they lose it's, half the time. You are going to lose. <laughs> Newsflash, right? So you want to plan on losing. Yeah, yeah. So if I can set up a system where my winners are outpacing my losers in terms of size, I can be a 50-50 trader. And if my winners are twice my losers, I'll still make money. I think it was George Soros who said that it's not how many times he's right, but how much he makes when he is right. Well, that's true. And of course, you can get to the edge case where – you're wrong 99% of the time, mm. but that one time you win has to be so huge. Right? <laughs> it's going to be big. <laughs> it's like the probabilities are no longer on your side of that happening, mm. right? But there is this sweet spot. You know, you can still be a 30% winner and have your winners yep. three times the size of your losers. So that, those charts that you were referring to, I mean, anyone can access them. Like Google Finance, Yahoo Finance. I've got free services where you can have a look at those yeah, there, charts. Yeah, there's so much open sourcing. Yeah. Absolutely. I say at the beginning, if you want to just start with a line chart, keep it simple. I'm very organic, mm. right? Let's just yeah. keep it simple. Once you have a little bit of experience, you'll start asking the questions of, you know, when mm. is a candlestick anyway, right? And you'll start adding tools to your tool belt and develop over time. The key here is start slowly. Don't get out over your skis, right? Trade within your knowledge and in your comfort zone and organically Mm. expand your risk as you get better and better. Yep. The other quote that I I love is match your risk to your experience. That's true. And, And in practical terms, what I like to tell folks is take any data set, right? From a statistical basis, we want to have a, a base sample size that is robust enough that any conclusions that I make are going to be robust. So when you have your trading system, you need to earn your way to taking on risk. So initially, you're going to keep your risk on, the, on your trades, maybe half a percent of your portfolio value. So if you had a $100,000 portfolio, that's 500 bucks. That's as much as you're allowed to risk on that trade. So once you've applied your stop loss, right, you're going to size the position correctly so that your cost minus your stop loss times the number of shares that you own is not going to exceed $500. Do 30 trades in that model. Mm-hmm. And when you can prove to yourself that you won more than you lost on both a percentage basis, your hit rate, right? I had, I had more winners than losers and my average winner was bigger than my average loser. Mm-hmm. Just earn yourself the gold star or the reward to move your risk higher. Now let's bump it up to 1%, mm-hmm. right? So 
And that those numbers aren't hard, but in other words, you want to progressively take on risk as you prove to yourself that you can do this and do it effectively. Rather than coming in and thinking, hey, anyone can do this. Yeah, there's and part of it is just the media world we live in now. And yep. the ease in, in the States here, we're not paying commissions, right? And now I can go in and open a day trading account and you, you have a lot of noise coming in over the internet transom here. Showing you how easy it is, telling you how easy it is to make money, you know, make $4,000 a week trading penny stocks, right? And all, all of a sudden you're all in and you're just going gangbusters and you blow up the account because the account was small, mm-hmm. first of all, right? Yeah. And you took on way too much risk. Yep. And so you have two or three bad trades go against you and you're back into, you're back into uh, working. Okay. Let's get back into this structure we were talking about before, which is value, safety, and timing. So safety for you is managing the risk with a stop loss. Is that correct? Well, from the- or is a part of it? From the stock analysis piece of finding good candidates to buy, right? What I need mm-hmm. to, the three questions that we were trying to answer is what's the stock worth? Yep. How safe is it? Mm-hmm. And when should I be buying, selling, or holding it? So we've covered yep. that I want to find stocks that are undervalued and that and are safe. The piece, the la- the last piece of the puzzle is, well, when should I be buying it? Well, on the stock level itself, we advocate that you should be buying the stock when it's going up. Another one of the maxims of the industry is that you buy stocks on the retracement. You buy stocks that are going down. You find a stock at a 52-week low, and boy, what a great candidate that is, because how much lower can it go? Well, the problem with that is the answer is you don't know. And the truth is it can go a lot lower. And anybody who's traded stocks and bought stocks that are in downtrend have probably been in that unenviable position where you're saying, oh, please stop. Come on, I'll turn, right? It's, I bought you two months ago and it's gone to lower lows and lower highs. Every time I get a little bounce, I think I'm out of the woods, yet I just get dashed as it moves to the lower low. Well, the way you avoid that is twofold. First of all, stop buying stocks that are going down. Wait for them to stop falling and start rising before you buy them. That way you know the downtrend is over. But secondly, no matter when you buy it, had you had a stop loss or an exit plan in place, if you were wrong, if the stock continued to move down or moves down after you buy it, you have an exit plan in place that's going to define your maximum risk. So in terms of what stocks do I want to buy, I'm looking for stocks that are undervalued, that are safe, and that are rising in price. And buy them, by the way, in a rising market that puts all of the odds in your favor. Yep. And how how does the timing part of that equation work? Well, it's interesting. You know, the professionals who tell you you can't time the market are the Mm -hmm. same folks who say, oh, by the way, I use the golden cross on the S&P 500 to indicate to me the market's rising, Mm -hmm. which you do a little double take and say, well, so you're timing the market. They say, well, no, I'm not timing the market. I'm just indicating that it's going up. Well, yes, Mm -hmm. exactly. (laughs) So nobody's here (laughs) predicting where the market's going to be. Actually, they are usually. But we're not trying yeah, to predict trying where to, the market's going to be. Trying to put the odds be. in their favor, aren't they? Yeah, we're yeah. just saying we're just identifying that right now is a good time to be buying stocks because broadly the market's rising. Those yeah. same guys who tell you you can't time the market then say, but then I think the market will be higher. You know, the the Dow will be at X number or the S and P will be at X number by the end of the second quarter. And well, <laughs> wait a minute, is, that sounded an awful lot like a prediction. <laughs> yeah, that's right. What what is the Golden Cross, by the way? The Golden Cross is the fifty and two hundred day moving average. Typically in the, mm-hmm. in the states applied to the S and P five hundred. Okay, so this is starting with two moving averages. This is another part of charting, isn't it? Yes. Are these? Sorry, I don't want to get too complex, but are these simple moving averages, or 
exponential moving They are averages. simple moving averages typically. And the, you might hear okay, it referred so to as the death cross for the bearish crossover where mm-hmm. the short-term crosses below the long-term. Yep. Okay. And that's an interesting thing. Anyway, so tell me a bit more about VectorVest. How is VectorVest putting all of these odds in your favor? And how can we get in touch to find out some more? So VectorVest has a systematic approach and that system begins, first of all, with the market condition. So we have a market timing system that identifies the current trends in the market, short, intermediate, and long-term. So depending on, you know, we service a clientele that ranges from day traders to buy and hold investors and option traders. Right. So we have to have a tool available for all those different time frames. So what we're looking for is the signal in your time frame that indicates that the, the market is trending for your time frame. So with that indication, then when market conditions are favorable, now we'll start go we'll start looking for candidate stocks for your portfolio. We have a system, it's called the VST system, value, safety, and timing or trend, that system analyzes all of those stocks. We track over 8,200 stocks currently. Each one of them every day is scored from those three perspectives. We combine them into our master indicator called VST, and that shows you on balance, right? We sort our list by VST. So at the top of the list are the strongest VST stocks. That's the place where we advocate you should start looking. These are stocks that have some fundamental strength that are in uptrends. That's key to your success. If you want to go look for a dividend of a particular yield from there, okay, great. No problem. But let's start with, if you're looking for dividend income from your portfolio, let's start by trading stocks that are actually not falling. Right. So if you've ever been in that situation where you're trying to to maintain your 3% dividend income, but the stock is down 20%, Right? It doesn't take a lot of thinking to realize that you're upside down, right? So let's let's buy stocks that have strong fundamentals, sound fundamentals that are in uptrends as the first step. You referred previously to having a stop loss in place to manage the risk as well. Does VectorVest help you with setting the level of, that you should get out of a trade that is not working? We do. So keeping in mind, remember, everybody has slightly different objectives, we have a, a stop price in VectorVest that is in the prudent to conservative temperament. It's kind of our benchmark, mm-hmm. right? If you want to be mm-hmm. more aggressive, okay, that's fine. But we're going to set at least a, a, a line in the sand or a benchmark here from which to operate. That benchmark, the VectorVest stop price, is based on the 13-week average of the price movement of the stock. And we make an adjustment for the fundamental strength of the company. So companies that have strong fundamentals we'll actually move our stop price away from the price action to keep you in the stock longer, to be less responsive to any pullbacks in the price action. Why? Well, because the stock's got good fundamentals. It's likely to recover and move on to the higher high. However, if you have a stock that has weak fundamentals, we'll move the stop price closer so that we're more sensitive to the adverse move and we get you out faster. Now, we're still based on a 13-week moving average, so this is not a trader's kind of tool. Mm. It does set, again, a reference point that when you see a sell-rated stock in the VectorVest system, you know that its price is in downtrend. By, virt- by definition, if you're down below the, the 13-week moving average of price, your stock is falling. Right? So there are mm. uh, typically before that happens, you'll see that trend indicator. Remember we talked about uh, the timing, yeah. the price trend of mm-hmm. the stock? That will have already turned down. Right? So you'll have time between the 
the entry into downtrend before you get to that vector at stop price. So you'll see it coming. And I like to, to show folks that this is on a continuum, right? The price doesn't typically just gap down 20% mm-hmm. overnight. Mm-hmm. Typically what happens is the price action slows, starts to break down, has a little pullback, and that pullback may get a little bounce. But if the trend actually changes from uptrend, higher highs and higher lows to lower highs and lower lows, the the short-term trend moves first, then their intermediate trend, then the longer-term trend. Yep. So again, I think all of that's easier to learn and recognize by looking at a chart. Mm-hmm. My favorite teaching method is to help people look at charts and recognize the price action. And then once you kind of have that in, under your belt, it's a lot easier to kind of turn on the power tools, I like to say. So if people are interested in learning more about VectorVest, where should they go? Well, we make it easy, VectorVest.com. <laughs> make it really easy. Yeah. <laughs> it is. And I would encourage you to give us a look. We have a $10 mm-hmm. trial for 30 days. Part of that trial is a quick start course that covers the topics we've been talking about today. So yep. laid out in a more you know, organized, progressive, systematic approach to the teaching, where we'll teach you these concepts and we support those courses with weekly coaching. So you can come and ask questions, right? You say in your, hey, Todd, you say in your course that I'm supposed to do X, Y, or Z, what does that look like? Here, I'm in this stock. Where, what would I be doing in this stock? Hmm. So it's a, it's a great feedback loop that reinforces the teaching and can really make the difference. Todd Schaeffer, thank you very much for joining us today on Stocks for Beginners. Thanks for having me. If you found this podcast helpful, please tell a friend, especially if it's someone who needs to start thinking about investing for their future. You'll be helping them and helping me to keep this show on the road. Stocks for Beginners is for information and educational purposes only. It isn't financial advice and you shouldn't buy or sell any investments based on what you've heard here. Any opinion or commentary is the view of the speaker only, not Stocks for Beginners. This podcast doesn't replace professional advice regarding your personal financial needs, circumstances or current situation. And thank you for listening to my podcast. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.